0: hello and welcome to another episode of the song project podcast getting undressed with god the place where we talk about what you think but don't say it you believe but won't discuss it and you feel but are often too scared to share it as always i am your host pablo giacopelli and i am delighted that you could join me once again today i'm going to be talking about a dimension of life that affects all of us and that of course i've been able to make great discoveries especially since i have arrived in israel so i invite you to sit back fasten your seatbelts, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome once again to another episode of this podcast. It's good to be here with you live from Tel Aviv, Israel. And uh, I'd like to just uh, start by uh, just giving a few shout-outs. I'm not going to mention people by name. But I am going to basically speak about the zones of uh, the places in the world that are uh, writing in, that are sending various uh, messages and and just ways of communicating to let me know that they're listening and obviously encouraging me. Um, And those are some folks from uh, Arkansas, from Michigan. Got a few guys out in California, some in Florida, Switzerland, uh, South Africa and the UK. Obviously. Oh, and I've forgotten, of course, the great state of Texas. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sharing the podcast out. Uh, It means a lot to me and encourages me uh, to continue to put this out as I see the numbers uh, growing uh, week in, week out. And, of course, you will understand I don't do this for numbers or ratings, but, of course, it's always great to see that what one is sharing is obviously hitting the spot. And that people are, are feeling led to share it with others uh, because it's obviously been a blessing to them. Now, today I want to I wanna touch in uh, on, a, on an area which all of us face without exception. Um, this area obviously takes different shapes, sizes, uh, and it just looks different, but the actual reality of it always happens to be present in all of our lives. Uh, and to think that we can live a life without this Um, it's, it's an illusion, uh, an illusion that will be, it will, it will flee every time, usually when you're about to catch it and you think it's going to become a reality. And that is this thing called problems. Um, as you know, um, there is plenty of those around the world and normally those are the consequences of the ways that we choose to do life, the decisions we make. Uh, the dysfunctional ways that we choose to, to live in and, and to, and to make, this, make decisions out of, uh, mainly because, of course, of the dysfunction that we have internally, mainly caused by the heartache, the wounding, the pain, the suffering that has been inflicted on us emotionally, psychologically, and sometimes even physically. Um, You know, not only by others, but also by ourselves, uh, as we continue to try and make life work in our own terms, in our own ways. Uh, And often we are completely unaware uh, of these uh, destructive cycles that produce a lot more problems than we really should have or we are meant to have in life. But nevertheless, uh, we continue to function out of these cycles, uh, no matter how, how painful or how destructive they are, as I said. Until, of course, uh, we are awakened uh, and uh, by either we, something we hear, see, or, or someone that, you know, comes into our lives and we take the time to listen to them. Which just leads me to want to encourage you, uh, make sure that you choose to live your life as a student of your life and not as a judge. Because students, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again students tend to observe life uh, and people that observe are able to uh, see a lot better than uh, and notice things that uh, that people that judge never really do uh, sometimes it takes time uh, to see truth it takes time to see a greater degree of the truth and that's why it's important that we we focus a lot more on being than on always doing and producing um Because often when we live from a dysfunctional place, um, we find that a lot of our doing and producing is, it's a way in which we try and find relief and cover up the shame and the pain and the numbness that we feel within us. Um, And obviously, doing from that perspective normally also causes a lot more problems than we are meant to have. Now, um, I... I became um, particularly interested in this, uh, in this topic, this area of life, since I moved to Israel. Of course, I've had problems all my life. Uh, it isn't that it just began when they moved to Israel. But as you all know, in Israel, we are a nation that has the number one um, startups. Uh, we are number one in the world for startups. What do I mean by startups? Startups are Usually companies that take an area of society uh, and normally tackle uh, a problem. They take a problem that has been around for a really long time, or they take an existing product that has problems and is not capable of providing uh, further solutions or, or solutions that are required of this product now in the way that the modern world works. So it obviously has encountered problems. Um, but the, the main thrust of the startup is, of course, um, you know, the, the, the provision of, if you like, um, there's a problem in the world and we need to find a solution. And normally these are problems that have been around for a really long time, but no solution has yet been found. And in Israel, uh, last year alone, we found 72 solutions for these problems. And many of these companies which start up with very little to 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 sometimes even no funding, uh, this is just something that people do on the side to begin with. Went on to be sold for millions of dollars to big bigger companies from outside Israel, companies like Intel, Microsoft, Apple, Google, uh, companies that come in and see uh, see these products that are providing a solution uh, for problems that, of course. Um, they themselves have had, and they see an opportunity, obviously, to gain traction in the market. Now, obviously, it's not just in the tech world. We also have startups in the medical field, you know, um, groundbreaking uh, cures, groundbreaking treatments, groundbreaking medicines and so forth. So why is it that Israel, uh, unlike such a small country, really, in comparison to the rest of the countries in the world with such a small population, can actually, uh, what is it that they're doing that can actually, um, you know, lead them to have such a dramatic, um, you know, advantage over the rest of the world um, in these areas of, you know, finding solutions, uh, you know, where we're obviously for problems that are obviously been around for a long time and nobody else has been able to in the past. So I, uh, I had the opportunity to, to spend time with a few people that have come up with these solutions and so you talk to them you know you spend time with them you you listen to them you observe them you observe you know what they say but more than what they say how they say it and the emphasis that they put on certain things that they're saying and not all of them actually said this next line that I'm going to use this statement but uh, in sort of round ways some of them said it and some of them said it without saying it and that is that the reason they are so successful in finding so many solutions is because they have learned or they have come to understand that in order to find the solutions in life, we need to learn to fall in love with the problem first. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, um, until I began to obviously discover this new perspective of seeing things, uh, this truth, if you like, um, every time a problem came into my life, the first thing that I attempted to do was get rid of it. So um, I went onto an overdrive and attempted to somehow control and manipulate. Um, and if you like, I judged the problem as this was the problem. This was this is what needed to happen in order for me to get out of this problem or get rid of it. And so I went and devoted much of my time uh, and my effort to try and make that happen. Now, that is, of course, one way to approach it. Normally, when we do that, we end up uh, spending a lot more energy, time and resources in trying to find a problem, a, a solution. But what we are missing here is we are missing the opportunity that every problem presents us. And the reason why that is, is because, as I was explained uh, by these people, um, the solution to a problem is never outside the problem. The solution to a problem always comes and is found within the problem. Now, it is only when you embrace the problem wholeheartedly, in other words, to use their term, you fall in love with the problem and you don't try and get rid of it, you begin to start spending time, not with the problem, but in the problem. So in other words, you usher yourself within the dimension, the space, the parameter, the reality of the problem. And as you begin to do that, you begin to observe the problem. You begin to understand the problem. And then suddenly, because you're doing this, you begin to familiarize yourself with a solution to the problem. And as you obviously begin to see the solution, you know that the solution is the correct one because it is actually the it's by spending time with the problem and from within the problem that you're actually able to understand what the solution is. When we try and find the solution outside of the problem, we are basically trying to find the solution to the symptoms of the problem. And we therefore never actually find the permanent solution to the problem in the first place. So though we may cure, if you like, the symptoms or the consequences of the problem, of the root problem or the root of the problem, we will never actually solve the problem as a whole. We will just delay it. If if you like, we will press the snooze button on it for it to come back again later and be part of our journeys once again. So I found tremendous uh, relief in this. But then, of course, God began to show me other things. Um, And and I've obviously written some of them down. Uh, And, you know, it's like, you know, quick fixes rob us of the blessings that God has for us. And if you and I are honest, the reason we look for quick fixes is because we are, if you like, rooted in this performance-driven life where we see problems as obstacles from stopping us or preventing us or slowing us down from reaching the ultimate results and goals that we think are going to bring the happiness and the peace that we so desperately look. Um, I, um, I began to understand, uh, you know, and I began to really see things that I've never seen before. Like, for example, you know, fear on its own, fear in itself um, it's not the absence of love, but it's the unawareness. that love is also there with it. So what does that mean? Within fear, the solution is always love. And, 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 and when we have fear, fear is, it cannot survive on its own unless love is actually around. So it's almost like fear has to ride on the back of love. Okay. And what do I mean by that is, I mean... Uh, love is never absent. God is never absent from our lives. And a problem, actually, that often problems bring a lot of fear to our lives. Uh, the, 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 the appearance of a problem doesn't mean that God has suddenly become absent and that therefore we now face a problem. The fact is, God is still with us. And the fact that there's a problem happening, it isn't that God is absent, it actually means the complete opposite. God is very much present. But he is inviting us uh, and is available to help us find a permanent solution in our lives uh, or even something that is going to bring much blessing to us and others, of course, in this problem that we are facing. And of course, uh, as I do every week, I'm going to cover this in a a story in the Bible where Jesus, of course, um, you know, works within this parameter where he presents a problem to the disciples and the disciples start to look for the solution of the problem outside, what, it, what they can do, where they can go, what they can get. And Jesus actually says to them, what have you got on your, in your hands? What have you got in your hands? And I want to ask you today, what problems are you facing today in your life? What difficulties? What Uh, ongoing addictions or or habits that you know are destructive and unhealthy, you continue to face. Well, I'm going to tell you this. This in itself can be seen as a problem, an ongoing problem. And if you're trying to get rid of these things by trying to push them away, by trying to enter into these uh, hyper-discipline, you know, programs that you often put together yourself, Uh, and you're relying on your ability to control and manipulate outcomes so that you don't keep having these problems, what you're actually going to find is that the more you do that, the more the problem is going to show up. Why? Because whatever we give our attention to, we empower over our lives. And so if you're trying to avoid sin, you are giving your attention to sin. The more you try and avoid the sin, the more you try and avoid the addiction and the problem, the more you empower that over you. So what are we supposed to do? Well, as I learned with some of my addictions and my problems, we are meant to embrace them and embrace them completely. That way, when we do that, we do two things. First, we deactivate the shame that so often packed with these problems. And second, we usher ourselves into the middle of the problem. So suddenly we are we are no longer looking at the battlefield from a satellite removed far away, but we're actually suddenly find ourselves on the ground where the battlefield is taking place. And you and I both know, I don't need you don't need to be a satellite expert or a battlefield expert to understand that when you're actually somewhere on the ground, you experience, you see, and you suddenly understand, and you're enriched within an understanding and an ability to see that you never get whether you see something on the same thing on TV, on a postcard, on a magazine picture, on the internet, or even from a satellite. So you suddenly usher yourself in the middle of it. And as you begin to stay still, you begin to to see what is really going on and you begin to see that the problem, the fear, the addiction, the habit is simply the thing that cocoons what the actual problem is, what the actual thing that is causing this thing is. And I know in my own life, as I've done that, I have begun and God has been great. He has been present there with me and he has begun to show me, listen, Pablo, this is why this, continues to show up in your life. This is why you continue to have this problem in your life. This is why you continue to face the same situations over and over. Because instead of actually walking into the middle of the problem when it's happening and remaining still and observing, listening and seeing so that you can understand, right? And therefore own what's happening and then release it and find the freedom, the healing, and the solution, you're trying to solve the problem from the outside. You're trying to get rid of it. You're trying to push it away. Now, these problems, as I said before, can vary in range and motions and sizes and shapes and faces. But the reality is that as long as we continue to insist in actually finding the solution outside of us, we will never find the solution within us. The solution to our problems are within the problems that we face. That is where the solution, the permanent solution, the deliverance, the freedom. Okay. So I know you're sitting there and you're going, well, what if I have a porn addiction? Okay. Well, I, uh, I told this story last week, I think. And so if you want to hear the whole story, you can go back or you can buy my second book, The Modern Fig Le- Leaf. Um, in The Modern Fig Leaf in chapter five, I, I cover this. But the reality is, it wasn't until I had a problem with porn. This was an ongoing problem. And it wasn't until I stopped, you know, fighting it. I stopped uh, trying to get rid of it. I stopped trying to uh, find solutions for it outside that I found that this problem that I had, I found the solution. I found the cure. I found the freedom, the blessing. And the way I did that was that I embraced what was happening. I I embraced what I was doing it. And as I did that, I sat down to watch. And I could see that Jesus was not watching the porn, but was there with me, looking at me. And suddenly I began to realize that what was behind this problem was a lack of intimacy in my life. I began to realize that every time I watched the porn... I felt like God left the room and he never joined back until a few days later when he got over his anger because he was so mad that I was watching the porn. And I began to realize also that I had never actually allowed him to be part of this part of my life because I felt that it was so dark, dirty and unpresentable. That I always tried on my own. Yes, I prayed the prayer, the, I prayed a prayer here and there, but it was just a matter of praying prayers out of habit more than actually meaning them. But it wasn't until I actually did that that I found the solution, which was of course Jesus and His intimacy and the intimacy that He had longed to have with me. And so, what happened is the solution was I found a change of perspective. I found something else, someone else that could give me what I was not able to find in the porn. But that did not happen. That freedom did not come until the day when I was able to embrace and sit down and just observe and watch and be still in the middle of the very thing that in my, in my estimation was the biggest problem I had ever had in my life. So it is safe to say that every problem that we have in our lives currently they are actually opportunities that are presenting themselves that carry within them not only a solution that will bring freedom, healing um, and an unexpected surge of health, strength and joy in our lives but it will also come equipped as we're going to see in a minute through the story that I just sort of basically touched briefly with Jesus a capacity for us to become blessed in a way that we never could if we try to solve the problem on our own, okay? So very, very important. I want to encourage you. Do not get rid of the problem. Enjoy the problem. Understand the problem. Embrace the problem. Walk into the middle of it. Fall in love with the problem. When you love something, you deactivate Every part of it that seems to have, that that is threatening to you. Because you begin to see with the eyes of love. You no longer see with the eyes of your ego where you have to defend yourself. You have to protect yourself. You have to promote yourself. You have to bless yourself. Suddenly, you become aware of a greater presence than the problem itself as well. And that is, of course, love itself, which is God. So learn to embrace what is before you and learn to look at it and see what have you got in your hands? What have you got in your life? What is it that you can start with as far as this problem is concerned? And as we're gonna see now, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you into this story in the Bible. And this is a story about Jesus feeding the five thousand. Now um, in the podcast gone past I have actually read the scriptures to you but of course you know we're not in kindergarten here, so you guys can actually do that yourselves. So what I would like to do is um, I would like to actually begin, as I do every week, go through the story to try and bring out what's happening in the story, and obviously apply these these principles, these discoveries, this uh, this perspective that I just shared with you, so you're able to see that Jesus himself also applied this truth not only in his life but in the way that he managed and handled those that were closest to him now um, the the story that i uh, i want to sort of touch on the feeding of the 5000 and i'm gonna i'm gonna be working out of the uh, the book of john chapter 6 um, and um, you know obviously Jesus has been with these people all day he has been uh, healing them so there's always been like a bit of a healing crusade if you like um There's five thousand men. Add to that their wives, their children. You know, Israelis have a lot of kids normally in their families. So there would have been normally between ten and fifteen thousand people. Now uh, everyone is tired. Uh, of course, the disciples uh, they would have been managing this whole uh, altercation. You know, there was probably not a lot of order going on. So they were obviously trying to protect Jesus, preventing him from getting run over by the people. Uh, And so they've obviously, everyone is tired and the end of the day is coming. Um, And in the book of John, unlike the other three gospels that obviously mention this story as well, I like it because it tells us that Yeshua raises his eyes and sees the large crowd. And then he comes and says to Pilipus, hey, where can we buy bread that these people may eat? Now, The Bible tells us that they're in a deserted place. So, you know, Burger King, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken and public supermarkets are nowhere nearby. I mean, these people are out in the middle of nowhere. And even today, where you go to the place of the feeding of the 5000, you realize how removed this was. If you start to take out all the modern amenities that we have now in these places nearby. So it was quite a long walk. And quite a long journey for them to get back to their villages, the places where they lived. And that is assuming that these people came from the villages that were nearby there. Okay? So, (coughs) excuse me. Some of these people might have come from further afar than these... (coughs) I'm sorry, I got to stop and I'll come back. Okay, I am back. I've recovered. Okay, so these people obviously would have had to walk quite a long way. Now, Yeshua you know, raises his eyes and sees the large crowd. And he comes up to one of the disciples and he presents him with a problem. And he says, where can we buy bread that these people may eat? And obviously it says here, and he said this testing him for he did know what he was about to do. So you see Jesus here right away presents a problem, but he already within that problem has the solution packed within it. So in other words, he is wanting to bless these people, but he is wanting not only to bless the disciples, but he also wants them to to understand something new about life, about the reality of the kingdom, but also about Jesus and who he is. And one of the biggest reasons why so many of us try and get rid of problems and try and move through problems as quickly as possible and try and, and rely on what we have and the resources that we have and the friends that we have and the church friends that we have and the leaders we have and the resources that we may have in our library or our computer is because we don't really understand who is with us and what. He is capable of doing, which is exactly what is happening in the story, and we're about to see it. And this is exactly what Jesus is trying to do. So he doesn't just say, Hey, listen, bring me the bread and the fish, because of course he would have known they had that. Hey, bring me that. Let me just multiply this quickly and feed the people. No. He presents a problem in order. To deliver a blessing and in order to deliver truth and to actually enlarge the understanding that these 12 guys have not only about him, but about how the kingdom works. So where can we go and buy bread that these people may eat? Here's the problem. And he says to them, testing him for he did know what he was about to do. Solution. Now, one of the disciples, Philip, says to him. Says to him, Two hundred denarii of bread would not suffice them, even if each of them may take a small amount. Andreas, one of his other disciples, the brother of obviously Peter, it says here, Shimon Kepha, said to him, There is here a certain boy who has upon him five loaves of barley and two fish. But what are these items for all these people? Now you see, again, Straight away, they start to look for the solution to this problem outside of them, outside of what they have in their hands, which is the problem itself. And what may appear to be an insignificant um, amount of bread and fish, which clearly in the natural, not in the kingdom, but in the natural, is completely and utterly insufficient as a solution to the problem that Jesus has just presented them with. So in other words, they are facing an an impossible situation. Okay, they got an impossible problem right now. They don't have the means to sort this out. Now, what uh, what does Jesus do? Jesus straight away says to them, make all the people to recline now there was much grass there and the number of men that reclined in that place was five thousand now i love i love it when he says make the people sit down and relax so in other words uh, you know i i don't stop fretting around stop trying to find the answers in your own way stop trying to think how you can possibly sort this out Um, You don't have enough money. And even if you did, where are you going to go and buy bread and fish? There's nowhere around here to buy it. In your life, I ask you, what are you facing that you don't have the finance for it? Or it appears like you don't have the finance for it. What are you facing right now that is impossible? And you clearly do not have the geographical positioning or the positioning in society that you think you need to have. In order to solve this problem or you perhaps don't know the right person in the right space that you think if you did that person could solve your problem well you may not have any of those things but you do have something else and that is the kingdom of heaven within you and the king himself living within your heart and what he is saying to you is recline back relax let's fall in love with this problem Let's take the time to observe, ignore the anxiety, ignore the fear, ignore the pressure that others may be putting on you to get a solution straight away. The only way that you're ever going to find a permanent solution and the blessing that is packed within the situation that has been presented into your life is if you recline, you relax and you take your time. Now, clearly in life, uh, obviously, sometimes we do have problems that come our way and that are pressing. We can think of Nehemiah while he was rebuilding the wall, how he had certain things that showed up, certain problems that were presented to him that demanded a quick answer. And normally what Nehemiah did is he didn't react and he didn't start looking for the answer outside of himself. What did he do? He showed up what I like to call an arrow prayer to God. And he observed And then he responded accordingly. Okay? So, in other words, he didn't panic. He looked at the problem. He didn't get overtaken by it. He went inside of himself. And even for those urgent things, those urgent minor matters that need resolving, take the time to observe them, to remain present, to embrace them. And you will find often as well in those quick minor problems, the quick permanent solutions, the solutions that are healthy and that can also continue to deliver blessing into your life. Okay, so here we are. He reclines them. He asks them to bring what is in their hands. He takes it, he blesses it, and he begins to divide it to those who reclined. Now, does this mean that some people left of the 5,000? You know, that some of the women left, that some of the children left, The Bible is specific here. He began to divide it to those that had reclined. Now, if everybody would have reclined, this would have not been mentioned. So in other words, there were obviously some that didn't recline. Okay. And so, and likewise, also of, uh, here we go, also of the fish and as much as they desired. And they were satisfied. And he said to his disciples, gather the fragments that are left over or else, something should be lost and they gathered and they counted 12 baskets of fragments those that were left over from them who ate of the five loaves of five loaves of barley bread now clearly a miracle is taking place here not only has the solution to the to the problem been provided and found within the problem right but they now have come into a blessing that they would have never ever had come into should they have gone to buy and try to solve this problem through their own means so in other words if they would have grabbed the 200 denarii or more and they would have gone down to the shop and bought the 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 bread and the fish to feed all these people they would have only ever had had enough to feed everybody just enough but as we see here because they allowed jesus to find or show them the solution within the problem that he presented them because they didn't run away to the shop to buy they didn't rely on their own ability or what they had but instead they remained within the problem with jesus they were they were they were invited to relax inside the problem with jesus They were invited to take a step back and just observe, instead of judging straight away, we don't have money, we can't do this, blah, 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 blah. They left that way of uh, that approach, that perspective, and they sat back and relaxed. And because they did this, they were then able, at the end of the problem, not only to find a solution um, to a problem that seemed impossible, but they gathered 12 baskets full of the very thing that at the beginning they lacked. So not only were they blessed, uh, they blessed 5,000 and 10,000 and whatever, how many people were left that reclined, but they actually were also blessed themselves beyond anything they could have done for themselves. Now there's a principle obviously here and there's something happening here that our problems carry also within them the blessings for many other people. So, in other words, when we look at our problems, if when we see a problem, the only thing we look at is a solution that we try and get for ourselves, normally we will try and solve that ourselves. But when we are presented with a problem, if we can look at the bigger picture and see that us finding, like with the startups in Israel, when they sit down to, to find the solutions, they, their main objective is to enrich and improve and bless the life of the world. They don't primarily do this in order to find a solution for themselves, to find a, uh, to make their lives simpler and to enrich themselves. Those three things that I just mentioned, they will tell you themselves, are egotistical and they are anti-solution blockers, if you like. So they prevent you from actually finding the permanent solutions and blessings that, you know, that, that we can find through the problems that come in our lives. And so they sit down to bless the world, to give the world something that the world doesn't have, to enrich, to enliven, to bless, to improve the quality of other lives. And as they do that, not only do they find the solutions, but as I said to you, 72 of these companies, these group of people that sat down to find a solution and fell in love with their problems and looked further afield than what they were able to do, they ended up selling their companies for tens and often hundreds of millions of dollars. There is your 12 basketfuls of fish. They started with a problem. They probably had a few resources. They fell in love with the problem. They didn't panic. They reclined. They relaxed. They fell in love with it. And God himself, and I know God has been involved in all of these because God loves to bless the world. And even people that may not necessarily directly engage him, right? Even though I don't know whether they did this or not. When God sees that people have... In mind, the benefit of others, and, and they want to bless others through what they do, God normally releases creativity, blessing, and the ability for them to also find solutions. Because they, too, are their children, and He, too, likes to bless them. Now, there is also another principle that God has helped me to understand and see through this story with Jesus, and obviously these, uh, this dimension of approaching problems in a, in a healthier, kingdom-minded way is that people that normally approach problems and try and get rid of them and get a result are people that normally are living cyclical lives and not linear lives. Now, what do I mean by cyclical? A cyclical, per, a cyclical life means you do enough in one day so that you can have the opportunity to do enough the next day. And you do enough for six days that enable you to have a week, and that week you did enough in order to have another week. And when you do four of those, you did enough to have a month. And then the next month it's provided through the enoughness of what you did in this month. So you, you don't know if you've heard this, uh, this, uh, saying that says you live from hand to mouth. Now a life that is, uh, that is focused in living cyclically is like the rat that runs in that wheel, the hamster wheel inside the cage there is a lot of action in your life but there's very little momentum and the reason for that is you always have the result in mind and that result normally is based on the least that can the, the you know the least you have to do in order to get by so you don't aim high you aim the lowest you can low uh, you can aim so that at the end of the day you have just enough so instead of living and and thriving you are surviving and the problem is when we live like this we are always focused on what we don't have and we look at what we have and we believe is not enough we totally miss the talents and the seeds and the things that God has put within us because we are living in constant urgent mode just trying to get by just doing enough to get by. Now, it's not that we're lazy and that means that's why we do enough It's that just we we look at our lives and we see that our lives can never be more than just being able to do enough to get by. Now, when we live this way, we are surviving and people that survive are unable to see the details, the things outside of the wheel, of the box or the cycle that makes the big difference and changes the reality of the lives that we live. And so you see, you are moving in cycles. When you live in a linear way, you move in seasons. And so your journey is not about beginning and end or a result at the end. It's about the journey, a process. It's about walking. You know, Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, follow me until this place or start here and finish here. He said, follow me. Keep walking with me. He didn't say, let's go around in circles or encamp around me and we'll stay here for a while. No, he said, follow me. Keep walking with me. That implies a life that is lived linearly. It implies a life that has a lot more momentum than action. And if you think about the story I just shared with you with Jesus, Jesus invites them to recline and relax. That is someone that lives linearly, someone that can see the horizon, that can see the bigger picture, that understands who is in charge of life, that understands who is the provider and the sustainer of life, that understands who their God is. The disciples, on the other hand, were still stuck like the people that left and didn't recline and relax, but went and tried and find their own solution to their, their problem of having to eat even though they had seen Jesus perform miracles all day, they also, like the disciples, were stuck in the cyclical. They right away started looking for results. Those that reclined and relaxed, reclined and relaxed and just observed. So they came into a space of trust. Obviously, like, Almost like little children, they just knew that they would be provided what they needed by this Jesus that clearly had compassion and loved them and had healed all of them, as the Bible says, or most of them, or whoever managed to get to him, yeah, all of them throughout the day. They just knew who this Jesus was. They no longer had heard about him. They no longer had information about it. They no longer had met people that had met him and were telling them about him. They had met him face to face. So again, today, very important. If you Truly have met Jesus face to face and you've experienced him and you know that he's there. Ask him to help you understand the difference between a linear way of living and a cyclical way of living. People that live in a linear fashion not only are able to fall in love with the problem because they don't have all these pressing deadlines that the cycle brings upon them. But they are also able to see the details outside of the box in other words they're able to see the solution within the problem that brings the solution to what often many of us are restricted and limited by and think that is just the way life was meant to be now i want to close with a a story a quick story personal story where i'm able to obviously show you how this works And like Jesus, this is also pertaining to a player I used to work with. Now, in the women's professional tour, unlike the men, uh, apart from in the Grand Slams, in the tournaments during the year, the coach is allowed to go on court, right, once per set in one of the changeovers to talk to the player and obviously spend the time of the changeover, which is a minute and a half, coaching the player and helping them to hopefully continue to do what they're doing or to change their tactics so that they can obviously turn around a match that they're losing. Now, obviously, when one goes in there, one really enters into the, even though, of course, as a coach, you begin to learn to enter into what goes on inside the court from outside over time. But when you actually walk into the court physically, you begin to feel the fear, the pressure, just the tension that there is in this tennis court. Now, uh, there is a lot that I can say about this to obviously expand to help you understand. But what I'm basically trying to say is every time I went on the court with this particular player, I could sense that the player was just wanting to get quick solutions and quick results to just get through the match and get to the end and hopefully win it. And so um, one day I sat her down and I said to her, listen, have you ever thought about not trying to get rid of all that is happening in the court, but actually learning to embrace the fear, the fear of failure, learning to embrace the anxiety, the pressure, learning to feel your body shaking, uh, that fear of missing the ball, of losing the match, of not being good enough. Have you ever thought of actually learning to enjoy that? Because in reality, what's happening there, it's actually, it's a privilege that you get to experience what you're experiencing inside a tennis court. I said to her, because you are one of very few people that are actually ever going to experience that. A bus driver not to demerit the job of a bus driver, will never have to experience what you're experiencing in a stadium with 5,000 people watching them, the whole world watching them through TV, uh, their sponsors, their contracts. These dimensions that you move in, they present to you problems that are a privilege to be able to engage them and experience them. So this player began to obviously... Look at me like, you know, you must be sick. How could you possibly expect me to even want that or like that? And I said to her, well, unless you're prepared to to obviously embrace all of this, then you have no business being in that arena and competing at that level. I said, because that is part and parcel of the devil. And it's actually the players at that level that are able to embrace that and actually enjoy being in that environment. And understand that whatever problem is presented to them while they're in there, the solution is found in the environment, not in trying to get out of the court or someone outside of them, but that the problem, the solution, is actually found within the problem and often within themselves. Because the biggest obstacle a tennis player faces in a tennis match is themselves. Not the court, not the ball, not the opponent. Not the umpires. Not the public. Themselves. And so as she began to trust me and began to obviously allow me to coach her through that, this player was actually became a top 10 player in the world. And she beat players that she could have never, ever beaten. She had continued to try and find quick solutions to the problems that were being presented to her. I will never forget. uh, She came out of a a match that was very, very, very tight. It was a very highly pressure match and which she won. And she, she, I said to her, so how was that? And she turned around and she said to me, you know what, Pablo? I absolutely loved it. I loved every single minute of it. And you see, it was that ability to fall in love with it, not like it, but love it, that gave her the ability to see and find the resources, not only within herself, but within the situations that presented her with the solutions, that not only helped her to win that match, but took her to places Right? And gave her basketfuls of results uh, and blessings in her career that were far beyond, should she have stayed within that cyclical, small minded or mind led, if you like, instead of heart led way of approaching her career. So, as I close here, um, I'd just like to leave you with a few thoughts. And that is when we approach our lives uh, and try and get rid of problems quickly, and, uh, which means that, of course, we are moving in these cyclical motions. Normally, we are being led by our ego and not our heart. Our heart is somewhere from where we can learn to relax, to recline. Once, of course, we've allowed God to heal us. And we have the capacity to not only see the bigger picture, but to observe and see and hear and understand things that through our ego, we are not able to. That is why if we want to enter into that linear space, uh, as we ask Jesus to help us to understand what that looked like and how we can do that, um, it is important that we understand that life and the rhythm of it will become different. The way that we live, the way that we approach life, the way our expectations are set will change. We will begin to understand that sometimes things might take longer. But of course, it is through that process of length that we're able to build up more momentum, we're able to discover, we're able to see and we're able to eventually achieve and experience results that are added, as Jesus says, to our life and are there not because we were looking for them, but, but, we, but because we focused on the higher purpose of uh, obviously getting ourselves out of the way and allowing God to be God and trust in him. That no matter what comes into our lives, no matter how big the problem is, always within that, there will be a solution waiting to be discovered if we don't run away and try and sort life and make life happen in our own terms. So I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time. I hope that I have encouraged you, but more so challenged you and challenged perhaps some of the perspectives that you have been subscribing to in your life. Because I know if I've done that, I have done my job. So until next time, I hope that you can join me again. I leave you with my shalom and my peace. Bye-bye. Friends, thank you for listening to the Zone Project podcast, Getting Undressed with God. We have come to the end of another episode, and I sincerely hope that it has been enjoyable, a blessing, but above all else, it has led you to perhaps consider perspectives you have never seen before. For more information about the Zone Project, this podcast, and all the other work that I put out on a regular basis, please take some time to check out the show notes where you will find the relevant links. As for me, I hope that you can join me again. So until next time, thank you and shalom.